everybody, welcome back to Dollar Dollar Bills, a way of life to build personal wealth and financial freedom. I am back with you guys today to talk about a topic that I've already touched on a couple of times in various different episodes with similar themes, but always kind of deep diving into different, I would say, facets of each of the themes. But today I wanted to share with you a session I had done for an existing client who is at the stage in their life and in in their relationship where they are talking about marriage and kids and they are kind of right before a lot of those bigger family commitments are going to be happening. And it was requested that they meet together with me so that we could kind of go through some, you know, financial therapy uh, for a lack of a better word. But I kind of think it's, it's a good word to call it and it's a good, a really good exercise. I know in a lot of cases, whether you're religious or not, if you're being married in a church, a lot of times couples counseling, pre-marriage counseling, pre-wedding counseling, especially in various religions, is very commonplace. And, you know, when they're having those discussions, when those conversations are happening, usually there is some focus on finances, but there's also focus on things like religion, things like kids, things like philosophies and culture and, you know, families, blending of the families. And are you compatible? Is what we, you know, how do you deal with conflict resolution? But, and I think it's, it's a good overall activity and approach to, again, before getting married and before making sure that you guys are a good fit, you've thought about all these things, you've openly talked about all these things, transparency is very important, but it, you know, it touches on, on finances, but I think it touches very briefly on finances. It, it's, it goes through all these other aspects of a partnership and finance is only one piece of that. So You know, I've actually seen it pop up here and there. I've seen some what they call financial therapists who are, you know, maybe they're CFPs who are now also operating in that space. And I think that's very interesting. So I'm kind of also starting to dabble in that space. But I wanted to just talk through the session that I had with my amazing client and that sitting down with her and her partner and you know, she was very nervous to go through this. She didn't know how he would respond, how he would react. And so I think I wanted to share this with you today. One, because I think it could be a fairly simple and straightforward conversation if you're wanting to have this with a partner, depending on the relationship you have, you know, the maturity and also the maturity of your partner and the closeness of your partner. If you think you guys can have this as an open and transparent conversation between the two of you, or I would also strongly recommend in a lot of cases, a third party unbiased person is really beneficial because as I was talking to them, I pulled out kind of common things that I would hear them each say. I noted where they were really in alignment with each other in terms of their thoughts and their actions and their feelings and even their history, how they were brought up. And I also pointed out where they were different. And I think sometimes that approach can feel like you're fighting or arguing or conflicting with each other and it can be confrontational. So it depends on, again, the maturity and the state of your 
relationship to see if you can do this alone or if you need somebody to kind of help you navigate this. So the first thing that I told them as, as I was sitting down and we were having this conversation, and this was, it ended up being an hour meeting we had. We had scheduled it for 90 minutes, but it was pretty, it ended up being pretty heavy. And there was a lot of, there was some pre-work I asked them to do. So I'll give you those kind of pre-work questions. But there was, in my opinion, it was it was pretty heavy in terms of what was being discussed, there was a lot of emotion in it. Cause I think, again, I talk about emotions and money and they're very strongly tied. And so we ended up only talking for an hour and then kind of calling it quits after that. Then now disengage from the conversation, think about it, think about it alone and then come back to it, you know, in a couple weeks. And I did give them homework as well. So I'll go through the homework that I gave them. But the first thing I mentioned when I sat down with them was, you know, I think of this as really financial intimacy. So as you have a relationship, as you you are quote unquote intimate with your partner, with your person that you choose to be with. Financial intimacy is is equally as important as some of these other types of intimacy that we maybe struggle with or want to make sure we nurture. And so in my opinion, financial intimacy, especially as we were talking about it in real time, it should in theory really bring the two people that you're talking to closer together. It should be something that the partnership, the relationship thinks about as a team, tackling the issues, tackling the situations as a team. And these discussions and the plan that you end up putting in place based on how you and your partner feel is best to work together moving forward with finances can change at any time and should change if something isn't working or as your life evolves. So as you bring kids into the mix, as you maybe bring aging adults or parents into the mix, as you bring new jobs or career changes, new homes, new investments, all of these things that are changing, you should kind of recalibrate, sit back down and decide, is this way of moving forward and is this way of handling our finances still working for us? And I think at that point, both people need to chime in and make sure that they're being heard, the message and the feelings are being listened to and brought into the plan as it's being executed. And again, these things can be and should be fluid and change as necessary. So here are the questions that I prepped them with. So the first one was that I want them to think about what makes them feel secure, not just financially, and jot down about three to five things. It could be a single word, it could be a phrase, it could be a sentence. And so the reason I started with that and not any kind of financial question is because, again, to me, in a lot of ways, being secure and being and feeling safe and those feelings should tie closely to your financial life and your financial day to day. So if you know what your partner needs to feel secure, we can then take kind of those underlying feelings, those words, those phrases, and make sure they're incorporated into the overall and end all financial plan we end up creating. What was interesting is there, again, there were some, and it's funny because when you have these conversations, her partner was very, I would call it literal in some ways that I was, that surprised me. And then I, of course, she's my client. So I was very predictable how she responded to these questions, but they were a little less broad and literal. And so tying those together was very interesting in this conversation and in this exercise. But I think that was a really good place to start. A second question I asked was, you know, I want you to both think about in terms of finances and money, what makes you feel secure? 
So this was interesting also because it now brings that security directly tying it to financial security and from a financial aspect, what makes you feel secure. So then we can take your general security, your general safety, you know, kind of like thinking of the Maslow's hierarchy of needs here. We, we need to make sure that everyone feels like their basic needs are met, the security, the safety, and then financially speaking, that security and that safety, what does it mean to you? And let's make sure we're meeting it for both partners. The third question I asked was, when you think of money, I want you to tell me the most important thing to you and rank it one to five. One being the most important, five being the least important out of this list. And the goal here, which I thought was really interesting also, because what I do is I looked at their rankings. You know, the goal of all this was to do this individually and then come together as we have this session and describe out what those things are, what those words are, what those phrases are, and then rank them. And then so so the goal with ranking is maybe we can't fully satisfy all one through five, but maybe we take care of each person's one and two and maybe even three and create a plan that prioritizes what they've prioritized as being the most important thing when they think of money. And again, with partners, you will probably be surprised what your partner says with a lot of these questions or how they respond. In a lot of cases, and in this case, actually, they they responded very similarly, but it was funny. It was very similarly to some of like the lower priority items. Some of the higher priority items, they they were a bit different, but I think overall, if, if you kind of zoom out to their words or their phrases or their sentences, they are really saying the same things. And generally speaking, the foundation that they both had fundamentally, they were on the same page. And I think that's really important. And that's good to highlight here is that If you're like fundamentally on the same page as your partner, that's great. If you're not, it doesn't necessarily mean that your marriage is gonna fail, your relationship's gonna fail, you guys need to break up now, not at all. But I would then take that a step deeper and say, first of all, why are these your priorities? Where are they coming from? And then of these priorities, how do we make sure the ones that are really important to you are met? And again, even if we have to dumb down or create a smaller list, Let's focus on the highest priority things that meet each person's needs in terms of importance here. The last question was, you know, what are your overall goals with money? And I meant this, and I mean this when I talk to people to be kind of generic and vague, because I wanna see how people respond to this question. And again, the partner in this situation was also very vague with the response, but then the client that I'm used to working with, and again, I think one, it's a testament to how she thinks and how she operates, but two, I think maybe her and I working together for over a year now has really driven down into the tangible specific details of know what goals should look like and what they can look like and what we want to plan for them to look like so that we can execute on something real tangible and basically realistic so that was really interesting too because you take a step back and you see this one person who has this really 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 high level broad view of like their money goals and then you have this other person who's like deep in the weeds of the detailed information and goals that they have for their life and then so you slowly 
try to bring those two together, right? So you dig deeper into his and you kind of push him a little bit more to answer a little more explicitly, get a little more detailed, give me a specific goal offhand, you know, off the top of your head. And then you do the opposite for the client because she's already dug deep into the details and you kind of let her take a step back and look at that higher 10,000 foot lens instead of being at the ground level. And so I have these prepped for them. So they have the time, the option, the energy to kind of sit down and think about them independently and then come to the session with their answers prepared. So I had this information, they prepared the answers, we talked through them, I started seeing trends and I started seeing some really interesting outcomes of also them hearing each other talk about these things. Cause I will say they didn't really talk about these things or my client would talk about these things or bring them up but felt like she was nagging. It wasn't conveyed and it wasn't taken in the way that it should have been taken from a good place of helping supporting team type of of energy and team type of environment. So I think that's the other reason why it was really beneficial for me to be really navigating and holding this session for them where I was asking the questions, I was driving the conversation, and I was just getting the feedback from them. And then they could hear the feedback between each other and really understand and maybe see some new things that they hadn't seen or heard before. These next couple of questions I actually just had prepped for the meeting and for the call, but I didn't show them to them beforehand. And the first one that I thought was really interesting, and I love this question, was what do you see in your ideal life 10 years from now? And I love 10 years from now because it's not when I'm 80, right? It's not when I'm retired. It's not 40 years from now when you can't even fathom what your life is going to look like. Or maybe you can, but you're like, it's so far away. Why am I thinking that far out? It is 10 years from now. And a lot of things can happen in 10 years. A lot of growth personally can happen. A lot of growth financially can happen. A lot of destruction can happen in 10 years, but it's also 10 years. Like it's very tangible. It's not that far in front of you, but I think it's far enough where you can dream big, but you have to start dreaming realistically and tangibly. And so this was really interesting to me because this is where the partner started bringing out more than these generic high level answers. And it's funny because beforehand when I was asking about, you know, what makes you feel secure financially and just in general, it was being able to pay my bills, being able to put food on the table every day. It was very survival mode. So that led me to believe there was something in his childhood, there was a way he grew up that really fed into this belief that I have to work, work, work because I am surviving. I need to survive. I need to make sure I have my basic needs met. And I can't even think beyond that. So what was really cool about this is as soon as I asked that question of 10 years from now, in 10 years, which again, isn't that long, all of a sudden his answers were have my own company, grow a family. It was very specific on what kind of company he wanted to have. It was have maybe some rental properties, have and maybe build my own home, so on and so forth. It was all of these things that were one tangible, but two really big kind of dreams that we could then actually create a plan to make significant progress over the next 10 years to get them there. And for once, it was the first time in the whole conversation. And again, it took us about 30 to 45 minutes in before it was like getting him out of this survival mode thinking. And again, I also asked some questions about their 
past relationship with money? What was their relationship with money growing up? What was their relationship with their parents and money? And as I start kind of unwinding some of those things, I'm seeing why he has this survival mindset. I'm seeing why his form of security and safety is to be able to meet these basic needs. But it was really nice once I kind of forced him out of the present and looking into the future that it was more than that. He was wanting more than that. His ideal life was growth, prosperity, thriving, not just surviving. One of the last questions besides the, you know, how are you growing up with money and the relationship with money and your parents with money was how do you think couples should manage their finances? And this to me was such an interesting question because, and again, it was interesting, I think in a way where I didn't prep them for it. And I think that was good. And so again, my client who I work with, I've already, we've already talked about this. So I wasn't really surprised with her response and her answer. And I liked it because she was very open to kind of like whatever works. I'm good with shared, you know, accounts and finances. I'm good with separation, whatever works best. Whoever has the strength or weakness in certain areas, we should leverage that period. His was really interesting to me. And I think it also comes from just a lot of social stigmas, a lot of historical traditional ways of households being run where the man should pay the bills. The man should basically do everything make sure everything's paid for, make sure everything's taken care of financially. And basically he had this mindset of, I need to be taking care of everything for everybody, for my family, for my partner. And then, you know, we can also have some shared resources. If she works, we can, you know, a lot of that excess can go towards maybe saving and investing. But like he really saw himself as the caregiver and like the protector and the person who financially speaking was responsible for the family. And so I, I think it also goes back to this whole concept of surviving and making sure that he quote unquote has enough to take care of everybody. And I think that what was interesting to me is I appreciated hearing him say that on one side of this, but that also you have a partner who is also making money, has an income and and she's doing all these things. And so you guys can like, it's not all on you, right? It's the pressure, the stress, the responsibility isn't all on you. and, And it doesn't necessarily have to be. And if you guys share in that, have conversations about it, are transparent with it, it can really help alleviate some of that stress that you're putting on yourself. And you guys can grow kind of together stronger in this partnership as one collective team working through this together. And so I gave them some homework and part of it was that I wanted them to basically sit down and go through all of their expenses and list out their income total as a couple. And from an expense standpoint, list everything that is shared and list everything that isn't shared. So I want all the whole picture, like the whole list of expenses, and then just either highlight or right next to what are shared expenses and what aren't. And that's important because you start to identify these things as a team and as a couple and as a family and looking at what do we have that we need to look at from a shared perspective and what do we need to look at independently? What can we cut down? What can we optimize? Are we making enough money, period, as a couple to be spending this kind of money? And then the next step is always now, how do we strategically pay for this? Who pays for what? How do we do it? Do we create a joint account to pay for these shared bills? What is the most beneficial for us and for our, the way we grew up, our personalities, our way of managing money, so on and so forth. The next piece of this is I wanted them to write down all their debts. So list the debt, the type of debt, the category of debt that you have and how much you have 
in there. The second thing is if we're listing debts, I want to list assets. So what do you guys have in terms of bank accounts, in terms of retirement savings, in terms of just general investments? Do you have homes? Do you have land? What other assets do you have? Cars, houses, etc. So that was really the extent of the first meeting. And like I said, it is, Rome was not built in a day. And these conversations are ongoing and continuous. I would, especially if you're in the beginning stages or you think you have a lot of work to do, I would have them once a month, maybe once every other month so that you guys can keep making progress, get on track, remain on track, check in with each other to make sure it's working and the plan's working. No one feels resentment. No one feels unheard. And the transparency is there. And I would definitely strongly recommend you work with somebody, at least in the beginning, to set boundaries to ensure that there's open communication and honest communication and so that you can have a third party similar to therapy where you have a therapist who helps guide the conversation who maybe takes the emotion out of it and reiterates back to the couple to the team what is being said and what you're hearing so i just wanted to share just an example with you of the first sit down meeting i had with you know one of my clients as a couple and what we talked about because I think it's really interesting and it's really important and I think you guys should be having these conversations regardless of if you hire someone to have them with but use some of what we discussed use some of what I talked about today to go through that with your partner think about where you're at in your financial discussions and your financial life and your financial relationship and make sure it's a good place make sure it's a really strong positive team approach and be transparent, always be transparent. When in doubt, transparency is always really the best path forward. All right, guys, I'll leave it here, but I want you to remember, always respect yourself by respecting your money. We'll talk soon.